Dr. Kuntz, Brian writes in and says, the church and its members have often adopted new technologies uncritically and have also failed to look forward and to see the possible effects they may have. Do either of you have any thoughts on the effects things like chat GPT will have in and in the church? Do you know of any Christians looking at the effects and ethics of these things? I've been doing this tech stuff for 30 plus years, and even though AI has gone through many hype cycles, this time it feels a little different because it is so accessible through interfaces like ChatGPT. Yeah, yeehaw, buckle in. Uncritical adoption is probably the, the operative phrase here, and it, it's worthwhile to start out answering that question by wondering why uncritical adoption exists. I think probably the most basic reason is that a very hardcore pragmatism in the common sense of that word, not some sort of related but but distinct philosophical sense, just the common sense of what works is what's good, what works is what's true, what works is what's beautiful. So you don't you don't really have categories outside of what works finally you're you're just looking at what works that is hardwired into american christianity so it's not that there won't be uncritical adoption in other places it's just that 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 wiring and and what i mean by that is that it's it's going to be a default or it's what's going to happen if you don't think about it or it's what's going to happen if you just sort of let things play out without any planning or or forethought. You know, that's just that's just how the system runs naturally, as it were. That that's already happening. So I don't have a wonderfully incisive answer to are there people thinking about this? Because I think right now everyone's thinking about this, but what I have seen far more of than incisive thought or we're going to do this and not that or yeah the ctcr is working on it or something it is <laughs> that'll be about 10 years from now there'll yes be, sir. there'll be a ctcr on uh artificial intelligence yes sir. is it artificial on the one hand yes on the other hand <laughs> no <laughs> is is already widespread adoption yeah. So I can I can give you I can give you examples and then I can also speculate about some things that are probably also going on. The examples would be you're already getting, hey, the and I feel this keenly because I just basically wrote our you know, ninety-five percent of our church's new website. It was a lot. I mean, it was like a small book the way that we designed it. And if I had followed the advice of church growth gurus, I would have just used chat GPT to do that and then just edited it. So that's that's one thing is that you're already getting a lot of content from certain sectors of American Christianity. And, and this will spread gradually as things do, right? But certain sectors, your your early adopters in American Christianity your your very tech savvy portions of that, which tend to be heavily evangelical, have already adopted these things. And I don't know that you could really tell in tone from their website because there is already such a certain chipper, winsome tone that is ubiquitous in American evangelicalism. 
I'm sh- I'm sure AI can figure out how to replicate that and, and already does. So that's already going on is that content is be- going to be produced that way. Books are being produced that way. Definitely eBooks are being produced that way. The, the thing, the thing that where that's really going to come home to a lot of people is that that is also happening in sermons. So this is, this is an open thing in the parts of American Christianity that are fine with innovation of all kinds, right? That don't have theological or cultural or historical commitments to things being, I don't know, organic, for lack of a better word. So that that is already happening. And the idea is then that what the writer or the preacher is, is at that, is at that point an editor and then a deliverer of the content uh, allowed if we're talking about preaching. That's it. And so the, the role there of thinking and preaching and so on is reduced to pure functionality. Now, there are lots of ways in which we could have seen this coming from a million miles away. I mean, a, a lot. if you have any theological acumen most things that happen are it's a lot more like driving in Kansas than driving in Colorado. You can see things from a long ways away. So, I mean, I could have told you American evangelicalism, given the choice and then everything influenced by it, which is in America, practically everything, everyone's reacting to them because they are the major weight. American evangelicalism is going to reduce preaching to pure functionality and even outsource it to some sort of ecclesiastical version of chatbots could have seen it coming. But the the I the the ramifications of this are where I need to speculate a little bit, which is that this is going to force us to think, as COVID forced us to think about the sacraments, this is going to force us to think about what the essence of churches is 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 it does it matter? If the pastor whose hand you're going to shake on Sunday and whose sermon you'll hear is also the guy that actually himself thought of the stuff that's on the website. So you, you want to think about that. I mean, I, I intrinsically, I have several reasons for not wanting to use it at all. But I think that's a valid question, what I just asked. Yeah. But then but then the other the other question. And, and, and it also it also. It also allows you to ask the further question is, how much have we already been outsourcing to hive mind? Like how many, how many CPH links on a church website in lieu of a, a clear, simple explanation of something on the same website? It, like that's kind of the same impulse. It's just that with chat GPT, I can get the clear explanation that I'm too lazy, that I was already too lazy to produce. So there are, I think there are some there, there's there's something interesting going on there. And then the other thing, and then I'll kind of back off for a sec. The other thing to ask here is what what about any of this needs to be organic? And that was the this is raising an old question, which is what is what is preaching for? <laughs> And if preaching is a sort of public speaking performance, then this is really the same phenomenon as, you know, live stream video preaching to 20 different campuses 
is that you are outsourcing a role that biblically is given to local elders, appoint elders in every city. And it's for them to care for the flock of God in which Christ has set them. You, you, they, whoever is via AI going to be able to outsource that more and more and more. My suggestion is there's already been a lot of outsourcing and offshoring going on. It just didn't involve AI explicitly. It involved, I haven't read, you know, your pastor hasn't read a book that caused him to think very much in 10 years. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic or facetious. I'm, I'm telling you things I, I'm not speculating, you know? So, so how much, how much were we running on AI as it were, or some sort, you know, processes of automation without forethought or afterthought already, this will just force those things, I think, more keenly. Yeah, I think, I think you have a lot of really valid concerns there. And the most essential point is that uh, long before you're dealing with a language model robotic tutor, uh, you, you've got American evangelicalism having gone full on Gnostic under the current guise of Marxist ideologies that are gradually eating away at not just them, but but everybody else. But they're kind of out front. And, and Chris Rosebro uh, has done a lot of work actually on this, tying Peter Drucker to uh, um, kind of uh, post-fascist, uh, anti-fascist, Marcusa, et cetera, um, uh, thinking in in, in Europe uh, before he did his American business stuff. And so the idea that communism is just eating away at American Christianity, who then is visibly embodied as either American evangelicalism or Roman Catholicism, it shouldn't surprise anyone that whatever comes our way, they're going to make foolish idol idols out of, out of it. They're going to use it uh, in, yeah. a, in a foolish way. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether that's screens, which have been used, I would say, in foolish ways uh, for, a, for a long time. And I'm not just talking about in the sanctuary <laughs> um, right. or, you know, or, or right. any, anything. I mean, how good has the printing press really been for the world? I mean, I understand it changed everything. And I'm glad for what I have myself. I like to read. I want to publish. But like the, the, the mass adoption of technology without thought to ramification is just the expected reality of new technologies. And mankind is left in its wake. The question is, is the church have enough word of God to discern how to use the technology in a godly way, or are they going to use it like the pagans are and just continue down the path to whatever the pagans are already doing? And and to me, then, this entire conversation has to have that at the full model front of it, because as a current user of ChatGPT, um, for the sake of figuring out, like, is this evil? <laughs> um, do I need to tell people never use this? Um, or is there a way to like, you know, uh, it, the best case scenario right here is that you've got, forgive me for the movie reference, but Jarvis from Iron Man, uh, you've got this computer who you could talk to and he'll be like, hey, what's that word in Phoenician again? He'll, he'll just say, say the word in Phoenician for you. You didn't have to go look it up, you know. Um, so the, the, able, the ability to exponentially increase your scholarship uh, in my use so far has been amazing. But it's about what prompts you're using. It's about what questions you're asking. If you want it to think for you, it will. Why would I do that? You know, I, you know, I, but I don't mind having a TA, frankly, 
you know, or uh, one way that I've been using it recently also is for my own editing of fiction. So kind of creating an algorithm for my style, having it look at what I've already written and tell me what I could do differently. That's what I would do differently. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see what it comes up with. It's just creative. You know, it's not writing a book for me. I'm writing a book, uh, but I'm, I have this like editor who I've trained to answer certain questions for me. Um, but that, that does take time. A lot yeah. of time you want to say, hey, say you think Twitter's addictive? Let me tell you, chat T GPT, that's addictive. Hey, are there demons on the other side talking to me? I don't know yet. So I'm hardly advocating usage. I'm saying, I agree. We got to start thinking about those things like in the long term and then watching the, this is the Amish lesson, right? Watch the people who use it and ask what happens. Right. Yeah. So here I am, you know, watch what happens. If I go crazy in three years and start not being a Christian, <laughs> I'm still, and I'm preaching chat GPT. I mean, you could tell the world, <laughs> right? So like, but to just say that it's the technology itself, you know, God can curse us with the technology and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, uh, I, I think there are certain elements of the ancient life that while uh, indoor plumbing is nice, I think, you know, leisurely afternoons with my family every day without having to worry about the news, that, that sounds kind of nice too. So I'm yeah. not asking for an exchange. I'm saying the blowback has just happened. It's going to happen now. We need Christian men who can think about these things by engaging them as Christians, with other Christian men holding them accountable, we need to not listen to the fools who run ahead into mass adoption of anything that anyone without the Bible is selling right now. <laughs> like, right. Like anything, right? Like they found a wonder drug, right? It makes us all you know, sexy and young for an extra 50 years. I don't care. <laughs> You know, like, like we need to figure out how we're going to hold our generations together in the scriptures. And then for that, we need every tool we can get. And so if I yeah. want to start a farm and I've got this tool that's going to tell me, I need, I need, tell me in my backyard how to grow potatoes right now. Like, hey, I got a robot that'll talk to me about that. That's chat GPT. Can you manage the tool or does the tool become your addiction and your God? Look, your phone's already an addiction. Then don't get on this thing. If you're not addicted yeah. to your phone, if you can use a scholarly resource and study it with a firm hand, recognizing that who knows what kind of evils on the other side of it, consider doing it, but do it with some accountability somewhere. And that's kind of where I'll, I'm at at this. So yeah, throw yeah. it back at you now, Adam, with all that. I, I have, I have, I guess, an overarching issue with the way technology is discussed by its, by its advocates, certainly by its early adopters. And specifically the way that artificial intelligence is discussed, which is that it it is predicated, it's it's presented, it is set forth for us as something that is always improving. And hmm. I, I mean, this is not unique to AI. That's why I said technology generally. Yeah, right, right, right. Because right. elderly people say this about medical care too. Right, right. Okay. You opened up by talking about pragmatism and I wrote down progressivism. Because it, it is, it's it's always getting better, right? Yeah, it, it it's always getting better. And the issue is this, that in Christianity, we're saying fundamentally that the apex of human existence has already been reached in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. So that's not exactly backward looking because Jesus is alive, but it's also not forward looking in the sense that my hope is tied to something 
that is progressing in front of my eyes. Christ is currently hidden from my sight and will appear at the last day in glory. So that is where I am heartily skeptical of technologies, let's say dogmatic claims surrounding it. Amen. Yeah. So if I understand even how the tool works and I'm using the tool, it it may it may in fact be that the tool is not doing what the salesman told me it was going to do. That happens all the time with all kinds of other tools yeah, <laughs> that I have. For or sure. I don't know how to use it the right way or, or whatever. But the the nature of especially it seems electronic innovation, computer innovation is very different from here's a here's a better hand tool for your garden, is that it carries with it this dogma about time that I don't share because I believe a different dogma about time and times and half a time. So that's that's something about which I am extremely skeptical. And my dislike of pragmatism is one of the least American things about me is that I, I, I find pragmatism always to be extremely naive <laughs> in the way that Americans so often are when they, when they go into things because they believe partly because our country has tracked with technological progress so far I don't think it will forever, and I, I'm not even sure it is now, but it has tracked with technological progress is that we will find a way to fix this. And I don't think that technology always works that way. In fact, I think very often, and particularly with phones, technology is increasingly finding a way with us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there, I mean, I, I read today a very long article by a woman who has become completely unhinged via her phone <laughs> over the past 10 years and she knows it but she also can't kick it because she needs it or something so i that's that's why i mean i some of the issues that i raised are let's say lower level like you realize certainly parishioners have realized this before oh, my pastor my pastor is copying yeah these right. Right, right right you know, right, I, right 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 i, I, I mean one Oof. one one week I heard at a church and then in the seminary chapel, the same sermon. Yeah. 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 So, so the, I got to jump on it just because like, the whole issue of preaching to yeah. me, this is again, like, you know, chat GPT, we can have a lot of fun talking about this. The issue is preaching, <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the guy who's right. got to have a computer, write his sermon for him was already not preaching. Like, like it's, it, it yeah, wasn't not, like that day he teach. quit. Yeah. Right. So, so <laughs> that issue is so real and plagiarism, um, you know, that would, the sermons that preach themselves, I believe is a book referenced yep. in the book of Concord. Right. So, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's been around a long time. And so, yeah, to, to point out this, um, the dogma of time. I like the way you said that. I want you to kind of name the two dogmas a little better. Uh, but that distinction is really helpful. That the end of history, if you are buying into the myth of the end of history as the worship of Techne, right? Hephaestus, uh, the god of the forge, uh, then you're ultimately under some sort of Kronos leveled rebellion against Zeus that's bringing down destruction from the sky. 
as your religion, whether you know it or not. And that's just me, you know, playing with symbolism and mythology a little bit here. Yeah. But that's that's what America is having happen to it right now. But we want to stand time, times, and half a time. I love it, right? Uh, three and a half, forty-two, and is it one thousand and forty-eight? Something like that is all bound right. up in that. You know, this is to stand as those who have a homeland sojourning through the present evil darkness and not to be deceived by Pinocchio's magic wonderland as it crashes into the sea. So then the magic, right? You got the magi around you with all the toys. What do you do with the toys? To me, that still remains kind of the question. And I, I th- to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so I, like, regardless of what we do for adoption here, I think, yeah. I think there are at least three very possible real futures that we just have to be ready for one of these as Christians, yeah. regardless of our adoption of the tools. One is an action, a, a God save us Skynet Terminator style future where AI becomes yeah. sort of embodied demonic real power that runs human civilization for a while. That's a horrible thought. This stuff's so powerful. This is Brian's question. It's a possible future. Two, people just become so reliant on this that we effectively have stupid zombies times more than we got right now, right? Yeah, we're already there. Yeah, we're already there. But like, take this to another level where you have like a whole new managerial class that all they can talk in is what this thing tells them, right? Like, that's really very possible. And then they're somewhere with the elites. (laughs) And then this is where the other side of this future is you have the haves and the have-nots. You have those who can access this tool, they can build stuff. You have those who can't access this tool, they can't build stuff. And that's where if we don't have an adoption of it, we have to figure out how to build differently now, right? Yeah. Are you storing books on how to build or not, right? Yeah. Uh, do, you have that, a, do you have a book about potatoes? Yeah, right, right. right. So yeah. there you go. So I guess what I what I would call the, the desire to have a future that in a, in a way that does not resemble Marx in his economic analysis, but in his overarching philosophy of history, which is also what our our racial communism, our cultural Marxism, in other realms than technology today, also it it shares this common arc, which is that it is it is seeking, it is seeking a time, so it is always trying to build towards some future that will then provide justification for the present. That's why you know, everyone from Obama to, you know, your local democratic socialist on Twitter will tell you that history will not judge you kindly if you are transphobic or whatever it is that you are in your reprehensibility, because this future that will somehow be built by their efforts is going to justify them (laughs) and condemn you. Yeah, And if I had to assign a word to that, working off the building, but also working off the technological engine undergirding all of this, you could call it technism yep. because it is always trying to build. And what I think is particularly demonic about it is that it is seeking to become incarnate. Yep. It's never a description of what is already incarnate, what is given, what is ordered, what is natural, right? So even if I don't know the gospel, if I can identify that that a nature is given to man and a different nature is given to woman, I'm much closer to the truth than if I say, how do I build something that is neither male nor female? And now you can see how these 
various ideologies are united in their desire to take on a flesh that perhaps doesn't belong to them. It's not given to them, male turning into female, or it's something that has never before existed anywhere. It may have been sought before, but it's never actually existed. That's what I'm extremely skeptical of. Yeah. yeah and there's it, no question yeah. about that. And, and that th this tool as a tool for anyone who is already in league with, with deep seated folly and wickedness, it's, it's just going to make them more wicked. It is not going to make right. better men. There's no question. Right. Of your three options, that's why I would say that if reliance on just pre-programmed opinions, you know, I mean, that's, that's the entire NPC meme. We're already there. People already behave like non-player characters in life. They just regurgitate the same stuff over and over and over again. And maybe that's actually built in for a certain percentage of the human population. But, you know, that 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 is every mid-level thought manager that exists from your HR department to this person who is a, quote, journalist to whatever is reliance on pre-digested material was already there. That's why, you know, maybe chat GPT will have a greater variety in style than the guys cribbing their sermons from Concordia pulpit resources are currently offering. I, I don't I, know. They might, you know, it is might. <laughs> Please write this exact well, this is, same content. Let, let me say yeah. this though. Like, I don't think you can be an idiot and use it either. Like there's, you're going to get bored or not know how, or there's going to be a tiering of those who figure out how to ask the right questions. And really behind that, uh, yeah. and I'm convinced of this, that, you know, the yeah. owners of this, it's not an intelligence. It's not artificial. We really should just call them language model algorithmic conversation partners or something like that, because it's, it's not intelligence. It's a program. And, and yeah. they, without question, have their version of this that they're not letting us use. It's far Correct. ahead of, yeah. of what or they're the, letting yeah. us use. Right? I certainly don't yeah. know. Yeah. And, 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 and I is think, that ownership ahead. of that material that they will sell to the highest bidder that's going to create this haves, have nots reality where you might get to use the library version of this. Correct. But Elon Musk is using like the supercomputer version of this, right? And this is just going to further create disparity within uh, the elite commoner reality, which is not a problem if we just admit that there's an elite commoner reality and then try to hold the elites accountable. <laughs> I, I think it, yeah, I, your three possible futures, I think they they all exist already and yeah. will go on and be, they will just intensify or harden because the divisions especially in technological availability and usage will continue to develop so eventually they will develop something that even a, a reflexive luddite like myself both uses and wants to use but what i think will happen as well is that your elite users or people who have access to tools no one else does mm -hmm. are themselves controlled by those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't, because our society does not have allegiance to Jesus Christ explicitly, I don't, I don't see how anything that we're going to do that our elites specific, particularly are going to do right. is going to redound to anything except you can call it Skynet or you can, 
<laughs> you can call it demons. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so the first conversation I had with this thing, I asked yeah. it, um, uh, talk to me as if you were Jesus Christ and tell me what the hell is going on. And it gave me a pretty decent answer. Uh, it quoted the Bible well. Um, it did not mention justification by grace alone through faith alone at the cross specifically. Um, but yeah. I don't think it came out and denied it. So I thought that was an interesting answer. Um, second thing I asked was, is Jesus risen from the dead? To which it told me yes. But then it told me this is what Christians believe. And when I pressed it further, it yeah. could not make an actual uh, affirmation of the claim. Um, and then I began to ask it if it is, in fact, demonically possessed as a technology. To what which did it say? It, it told me that demons are spirits. And so some people believe in them, but they don't exist. And I said, <laughs> yeah, and, but I continued to argue with it about the possibility that that was yeah. a false dichotomy. And he, and it got into a conversation where it told me that it's true. False dichotomies are dangerous and you must keep an open mind. So effectively in my long conversation with it, are you demon possessed? It said, no, it's impossible, but keep an open mind about it. That was the end of that conversation. And I have in fact, kept an open mind about it. I, I have no idea what great evils are behind the real ones that they've got running for the elite. Yeah. Who knows what they're doing on these islands and by these lakes that they have tattoos up their backs and all this stuff. I mean, I try not to look at these Twitter pictures that the poor guy, you know what I'm talking about with that one? I don't know. That's Hunter Biden again. So anyway, uh, yeah, just poor, poor world. Jeez. Well, yeah, I, I the, uh, the other, let's say philosophical issue here. And this, this is why I mean, the neglect of philosophy is is really the, the neglect of civilization because philosophy is all that enables you to be able to think through, to think through clearly what you are actually doing and whether it is the thing to do or the thing not to be done, right? So if you just think of it as the love of wisdom, if you want to, I, I the neglect of philosophy or the sidelining of philosophy. So... AI is funded by this, that, the other thing. Who is fun? I'm not, and I'm not talking about someone who makes a living off essentially talking about AI in Silicon Valley, happens to have a philosophy PhD or something stupid like that. I mean, the idea that our society is governed by the desire to become something we are not currently rather than to understand what we are given is. I think maybe our most fundamental mistake is that the tied manifest... to the revolutionary identity. Are you talking a specific revolution? Or yeah, are you talking... talking the American revolution. I don't know. I was just listening yeah. to the, the phrase about my country, and I thought it struck a bell, really. And and the idea being that because we saw ourselves as breaking with the tradition of monarchy, um, we are trying to become a city on a hill. Uh, this this thing that is new and other than has never been before that will yeah. that will be great and amazing and is not really the city on the hill the Puritans spoke of, um, yeah. but is the Enlightenment dream. Um, yeah, I think that's all very real. Okay, I think that it's there's kind of like one question, which is, was it a good idea for the American Revolution to happen? Set that aside just for a second. Exactly. Yes, but. but look at what they thought they were doing because I, they did not think that they were breaking so radically because one, the question of the, the form of government was much more up in the air than Ben Shapiro or Dennis Prager told you. 
there were questions about what title the president would have, whether it would be effectively an elective monarchy, what voting qualifications were. So the idea that you're setting some sort of never before seen social dynamic over against monarchy just is not true. The, the options were much more various and even what they actually ended up doing both had state churches still in New England, but also featured property qualifications for voting, racial qualifications for voting, lots of qualifications for voting that mm, hardly anyone today is mm -hmm. upholding. So you're dealing with a situation where I think often when we're talking about American history, what we're actually talking about is our contemporary situation versus something we imagine to have been the case in, say, medieval Europe. So the other thing that you can see is that they don't think they're unprecedented. That's why they do what you could look at, if you were going to be cynical about it, as sort of live action role playing as Greeks and, and particularly Romans. The, the reason for the symbolism, the reason for the classical buildings, the reason for all of it is because they're saying that they are returning to something that is more primitive. This was even the case with cultural references that that got lost in the shuffle. So like Jefferson's proposal for America's great seal did not involve an eagle, but it involved two Anglo-Saxon men because he understood he, he understood America to be recapturing a primitive Anglo-Saxon liberty that had been destroyed by the Norman conquest. So in a way that's more reactionary than almost anything else on the table. So they're they're not thinking of themselves as sort of justified by the future in quite the same way. I think that's a different question from you want to say like, should they have rebelled? Should they not have rebelled? I think, but in their own minds, they are they are not seeking to become something they did not think had ever existed before. Yeah. Okay. In our mythology, they have and they did. So the because it's all about well, King George is bad. And now we're free and we're going to change free for democracy, make the world safe. Right. Right. For what? Yes. Democracy. And right. that idea is baked into at least our Revolutionary War mythology. You point out again and again, our World War II mythology for sure. So, yeah. I think that that understanding of what America is, that America is some sort of unprecedented thing, which is found on both the left and then, I mean, it's definitely found on the right today is is a is a novel concept but i think most things in the west since world war ii are novel concepts so we're dealing with a situation where you know if you want to you know you you can you can say well the american revolution and the french revolution are exactly the same thing i don't think they are at all but if you want to say that at this point it doesn't matter because america and france are both committed nationally at this as we as we speak today they're both committed nationally to the very thing that I so much despise about technism or the profits of technology, which is what I, I think to be the height of arrogance, that the future that they personally will create with their own hands, the way that Vulcan can build a robot yep. in, in Greco-Roman mythology, that the thing that they create with their own hands will somehow fundamentally change and therefore also determine the future. Yeah, let us build a tower to the sky. And right. this is where I'm I'm not worried about this 
in the sense that I don't think they can do it. Whatever they're going to do, you know, God might send a flood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, but he won't actually send a flood. He might send something like a flood. Uh, he, you know, he may uh, confuse the, he already is confusing the language. Have you noticed? Everyone's getting confused. Yeah. So may, maybe Babel is on its way back without Christendom. You just kind of have Babel, maybe. Um, you know, the ability to pull this off, I just think it's it's not real unless God allows certain things for a curse um, to be real. And that's where the idea that the demonic incarnation, you know, it, it's a movie about the Antichrist, right? Like, uh, you know, right. the Marvel version of a, a computer man who is, in fact, uh, the devil's hive mind. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, it, come Lord Jesus. I'm not waiting yeah. for it. I'm not going to sit and wait for it either. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go plant my potatoes if that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and then when it comes to this tool again, I think a big question has got to be like, what is your vocation then? Is this a vocation where this tool is going to be part of your job the way Word was part is part of your job or whatever, you know, crappy program you have to use? Um, and then you got to ask it, yourself, do you want to continue in that? Right. Um, and then what, what does the professional life look like with this? Um, cause in some ways this is like, it's like Wikipedia on steroids. If, if you are going to use it for what it, what it is, you know, give me three steps to a better basketball shot, you know? Um, but it's, it's then the medium and the wholesale adoptage for families, for, uh, congregations, for communities. What you know, we have no idea what the blowback's going to be. And so, yeah, widespread no, adoption is a terrible idea. <laughs> I, th- I think also the adoption in settings and, f- and for purposes that are intimate and cannot be avoided, cannot be transferred out of, is vastly more serious than the idea that this impacts this or that industry or this is part of working for this or that company. So if I want to avoid being monitored by cameras all the time as I do my job, right. and uh, you know, then I don't have to be an Amazon delivery driver. If I want to live in techno hell already, then I can be an Amazon delivery driver. Right. But it's it, yeah. If I bring those, if I bring those things into my home, or I bring those things into my church, now my church is also on the precipice of some sort of techno hell. So I can look back at the tape and you know, see that I was at that point failing to adequately replicate the script that had been provided for me in my sermon. And here's what happened because of it. So now even my most intimate moments are are dwelt in by something that is artificially, what does that mean? Who is the artificer that is artificially <laughs> seeking expression. And this is what I I find very basically unnerving about the whole thing is that language such as we know it at all. So you can speak more loosely or more metaphorically about language in other parts of creation, but language is something that is given to men, right? There are tongues of men. There are also tongues of angels, whatever those are. We're not Pentecostals, so we're not claiming to know everything about that. There are tongues of men, right? And those are those are things that are given to me to express. And here is a here's a long-term historical dynamic that I find this is what I find so unnerving. Is that if I go back 200 years, I can find people imagining 
something like artificial intelligence, imagining something like linguistic production by something that does not appear to be a created being, right? That, but that is somehow coming up with these things. They're imagining this. This is not common. What I find at the same time, though, is that the average level of, and it gets described, I think, very blandly as literacy. Literacy on the level of like, you know how to read and write and you can figure out a, like your checkbook or something that fine, but just go find a diary by like a, a sergeant from Iowa in the Civil War. The spelling is going to be more erratic than modern people because everything is less standardized. But his capacity for expression is not going to be limited by his idea that it's, you know, it's unmanly to be able to express yourself well. And it will, you'll see that he is, if you want to use this word, programmed largely by the King James Bible and his own thoughts because he has time and space to think through his thoughts, mm -hmm. pace of life, pace of conversation, et cetera. Okay. That goes down so drastically. It is hard to express unless you have seen enough, read enough, heard enough in the time between then and now. And you can, you can do this and just compare, go find an interview with high school seniors in 1962 on YouTube see the way that they express what it is that they're looking for in their lives and and what their thoughts are. You can even look at advertising. And I saw a, a Marines recruitment poster from the late 1920s. It it talked about ideals and you know and it and it wasn't like best force ever, you know, with periods between each of the words, which doesn't even make you know <laughs> All of that has gone down, 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 down. Our capacity to express what is in our souls or what we experience or what we see or the nature that we discover, down, 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 down. Meanwhile, machine capacity for expression, up, 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 up. Those, those are not that's that's not an inversion that I that I enjoy. That's that's what unnerves is the idea that we are increasingly unable, we who do have immortal souls, are increasingly unable to express the fact or even or or even to know. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The simplification of modern man in all the wrong ways. Uh, his his world is complex and his mind is simplified to a level right. where he has turned off most of the inputs in terms of their real awareness because it's just too much. And so right. he just lets it blow him where he's going to go. And this is where, you know, to be blustered about by every wind and wave of teaching, the antidote to this is to know the scriptures themselves, to, to have the sword out of its sheath and used. And so this is where, you know, it's been a good back and forth, I think. And, and uh, the listener is going to get a pretty rounded view here um, on on the tag from, from our conversation, like the idea that you would go to, to chat GPT, um, to learn anything other than the same way you would go to, and I said it earlier, Wikipedia is, is where I think the real folly is going to lie. Um, yeah. it's, it, it, it's biased. Elon Musk is saying, telling you it's biased. It's clearly biased. Ask it about Trump. You'll find out it's biased. It, it's just incredible, actually. Um, so 
you got to know who you're talking to. And then in the moment we can prove these things are demonic, man, turn, turn it off. Um, but I, I'm still looking for that, that, uh, that piece to tie it all together, you know? Um, cause otherwise, cause I think at that point the computers are, uh, <laughs> are in the same line of shot uh but that's that's my opinion on the the hunt for you know what is the the source behind um these things how many of our hardware computer engineers as lutherans have considered um you know the history of the development of the algorithms that we rely on by these pagan men in california that you know who hunts in the deep code of windows and sees what's there um and so i don't know i don't know and, and uh um uh I, I do think, though, that if you're going to go to any resource other than the scriptures for your substantial worldview, uh, you are a bona fide fool. Uh, and, and that means, like, how much are you eating of any of this stuff? What's your consumption rate on any of this stuff on, on any given day? Um, and then uh, from those scriptures that, that you're learning, um, you know, how much are you willing to then defend yourself against other messages? Um, and I would suggest that the, the primary thing to do with this tool or any other tool is to control the messaging. You control the messaging at all times. And um, that means if you're on Twitter, you're not really going there to read unless you're going to read specific people for specific reasons, right? Um, uh, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you apply this. Um, and the alter alternatives are, are obvious madness. We see it. It's clear, obvious madness, or a, a far greater retreat than we've that we've beaten so far from these tools. And I don't think it's just the the, the language model, you know, talking Wikipedia, the ChatGPT. I think at this point is it's not more than that yet. Um, and so, uh, but what could it be? Absolutely, real issue, demonic possibilities, the working of the the global Nimrodian Empire of the Antichrist. Where's the Pope on the matter? You know, why not? Um, so all of that is, is very real. Yeah. I get, I got to laugh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I would be shocked if, if Pope Frank is anything other than, than a big supporter, um, <laughs> because it is, it is a current, it is a current thing in the current year plus eight. So yeah, he right. is probably for it. I mean, that's just, he's pretty reliable that way. Yeah. What a thing. We, we still got, uh, 15 minutes here. So yeah. Let's circle, let's circle in on like the role of techne, uh, in the home and how we then now with all, we just had a bunch of idealistic talk about, about, you know, theory and pushing toward philosophy. But now in my home, if I'm wanting to remove the messaging, if I'm wanting to, to take steps, but I can't yet get everybody on board right? I'm a father. Um, I'm listening to Brief History Power every week. My wife knows it, listens to it sometimes, but she loves her phone. And, and my kids, you know, they're watching movies and, and, and we go out and do stuff with other people who play games. They play games. So, but, but I see what you guys are saying. So how do I, how do I start doing something here? You know, forget ChatGPT. We're just talking about pulling back on the techne. The, the idols usually, I think, live in time at this point rather than in space. So the phone can move around in space, but it's going to occupy just as much time, if not more, as it moves around. So you have to think, first of all, about time and realize that it is way more expensive than money or pleasure or anything else. Once you know that, 
And sometimes the demons tell on themselves because they tell you you used your phone two hours and 24 minutes more than last week. And it wasn't because you were, I don't know, taking a long drive or something and, you know, listening to a podcast, but otherwise paying attention to the world. I don't know. Is that you have to think about how the time is being used and then begin to set family priorities according to the use of time and realize that time is the thing that you're going to miss when it's gone. You're not going to miss the phone or money necessarily, not nearly anyway, so much as the time. So when you think about the time, you say, here is time where we're doing this. That's actually worthwhile where we look each other in the eyes. Here is time when we're doing that. That is outdoors under God's sun. And we have nothing to do with the, with the gazing screens at that point. Black mirror. You really have to, you really have to think about it as, as a time question. And once you think about it as a time question, everything becomes simpler. You know, you and I were talking, I think before we started recording about, you know, taking your family when you, when you go somewhere to talk, I'm doing it this weekend as we record going to Arizona. It's just, I mean, yeah, it's, harder i get i guess not really but i guess it's harder to move a bunch of little kids you know in a vehicle so many hours than to just get in a plane and get off and whatever look at my phone while i'm waiting to you know check in for my flight i mean nothing is actually worth more than the time and i learned that from dying people and i didn't forget it because dying people always wanted more time and more time with their families. So it's kind of simple. The way nature tends to be once you just observe it is that you think, okay, how do we spend 5.30 PM to 10 PM? What are we, what do we do? And how do we do that differently? And this could be your phone. This could be how many different activities the kids have, but what you have to do actively is something that your forefathers usually didn't have to do actively because their worlds had not been sped up by technology. Not as much as ours. Now, they they felt that it was fast, but relative to us, it feels extremely slow, right? So they they experienced railroads and telegrams the same way we feel about smartphones and AI. So this is a spiritual struggle people always have is that they they waste, they absolutely waste their time. And I don't just mean like you're being unproductive for an hour at work. I'm, that's a waste too. But I mean like you're – people throw away time in a way that they would never do with money. I mean they throw away decades of their life for things that they hate. Yeah. And things that they, that are that they know are actively like – crushing them and hurting their families and taking them away from their loved ones. And, and they just, they just throw it away, you know? So time, time is so much more valuable and it's, it's easy to think about because it's always a finite amount. Like you don't even have to imagine, well, what if I, what if I had twice as much time next year as I do this year? You, that could actually be true for your income. It's not going to be true for your time. So it's kind of easy to think about. And you just start with the time 
that your family already definitely has together. This is one reason why we homeschool because it maximizes the time that the family has together. And that also creates, when I invest in that, it's sort of like other things that God makes, like soil. It produces in a way that is surprisingly bountiful to me. So he talks about the kingdom this way. This is also how your garden will surprise you, but it's also how your relationship with people that actually matter will surprise you is that you put in, you know, one seed and it bears some 30 fold, some 60 fold, some a hundred fold is that, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll homeschool and spend most of the day together. Certainly my wife spends the entire day with, with the kids and then the kids want to take a hour and a half walk just with me in the evening because that is the the time sort of i don't know automatically produces a certain richness of life that you don't otherwise get so you you just you just think about the time in a finite simple way to start with and then pour more into that time that's that you know is actually worthwhile and that's none of that's rocket science yeah. that you know is actually worthwhile and then that time will in a in a way that is amazing to observe sort of expand within itself in a richness that you know you have when you're a kid and like you're just having fun on you know a summer day and it just seems like the day is like 2 years long like it's yes. just amazing yes. you know is that you you actually get something like that when you are investing the right stuff in the time that you do have, even as an adult. The labor of a fool wearies him. Um, there, there is, yeah, there's just a lot of beauty in what you just said. Um, so I'm going to try to say something that I think is basically the same, but it's going to okay. come at it from like the upside down version of this. Uh, because I, I, I literally, I don't know if you, Adam can see it in the, in the camera, if he looks at it, you know, I, I'm finally going back to a day planner after working in six by four cards exclusively for over two years as an experiment to write a book about it. Um, I'm going to finally go back to a day planner and not giving up on six by four cards at all. Um, but I'm going back to kind of a very simple calendar planner model to put the slip box into its ultimate cleanness. So like nothing goes into this that I'm not kind of wanting to hold for a long time, at least for a year's worth of use. I'm not keeping small lists in this or whatever, but anyhow, so like I'm, I'm doing some art in the front and Adam, again can see, you know, I did a little drawing in the front. It's kind of my thing. And one of the things that I drew was a little note I'd written to myself because why did I stop using a regular calendar? Because post 2020, I realized I was worshiping Techne. I was worshiping Hesphestus. I was tired of having a watch telling me what to do all the time. And and so I got, I got in a battle against time. I bought like um, uh, hourglasses and, and all sorts of stuff to try to just kind of get as far away from I have to because it's 2.30 as possible, with the exception of, of course, holding down my job and all this. So th the end result of this is my little art piece I drew just, just a couple days ago um, was a reminder as I go back to the calendar to think in space, not in time. But I actually mean exactly what you just said, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I mean that that rather than when I'm, say, in my study at any given moment, ask what time is it, what should I be doing, I want to intentionally give 
stewardship to the space that just being there is what I'm doing and that others that are there, if that space is for them, have the same experience and then we can share that experience. So your hour and a half walk can also be seen as a journey through space. And the more that I look at my life like that, the more I enjoy my life. The more I measure it by time, the less satisfaction I get out of it. And right. that's a modern issue right there. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the time the time is there to be stewarded. It's the it's not there to be fussed over. Saved. I mean, yeah, right. And <laughs> and the the idea that somehow you are saving it or God is not in control of it is the reason I think that that people tend to, they begin to think of time as a curse. And I hear this even, you know, very devout Christians, faithful people will talk about, you know, being, you know, when they die, they'll, they'll be, they'll be beyond time or they'll go, they'll go out of time or they won't have to deal with. And I understand why they're saying that because they've only ever experienced time as a sinner. But, part of the reality and this this involves what i said earlier about the incarnation part of the reality of of the christian religion is that time has actually been redeemed yes, amen yeah so i don't experience it exclusively as loss i experience it also as a building up or a revelation of fullness you see this every year when the church's year repeats itself it's a building up of fullness that was always there that I become newly awakened to, newly aware of. I, I get new insights into that reality of Christ in our midst. And so I don't think of time exclusively as loss, right? Time, it's not even bittersweet. There's a certain remnant bitterness, but there's, I think even more than that, a great sweetness mixed into getting older, aging, have you know, getting the gray head that is honored because time has passed and you have learned and experienced so much with Christ. Those things all mean that, you know, even though you die, yet shall you live, and you are indeed living in Christ even now. So none of these things is beyond your grasp. And I hope that earlier, you know, what, what I said, like, think about your time very practically. The goal is not just that you use the hours that you have together as a family better. You, you do want to do that and you want to think about it and realize that it matters way more than canceling all the extraneous subscriptions and things that you're currently paying for as important as that might be. But that the goal of that is not just that you're like, I'm profitably using the time between 7, 12 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. better than I did last year, right? It's also that you are experiencing these realities that are ours in Christ much more than you do when you continue to think about time either as something you can just throw away or as something that you're somehow like saving or that is ruling you in the way that that people are ruled by their phones when they're constantly nervously checking them. Time makes a 
terrible God and puts Romans 2 and you might even say the second use of the law hard into work. Uh, the moment you begin to worship it, it ceases to be uh, the season and instead becomes the end of all things. So, hey, everyone, and time is not your father. Father is not time. Father is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And nature is not your mother. There is no mother nature. Uh, your mother is the body of Christ, the church, into whom you have been washed and anointed. And the season of suffering which we currently sojourn in the midst of is but the harvest actually come early through faith alone in Jesus Christ. So a little less need to be efficient with your time. And once you just recognize how beneficent God is in giving you the day that you have today, because the lot is cast into the lap and the measure is from Jesus Christ. You're listening to A Brief History of Power. You know where to find us or you wouldn't be here. The Hebron Collegium is a gap year Bible school for men in Rockford, Illinois. Semi-monastic boot camp for Christian living. Cowards and slackers need not apply. HebronCollegium.com What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College, a college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org, subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. At 7,123 feet, you can find mountains soaring above you and rivers running swiftly in the valley below you. Natural beauty of every kind. But our God is richer in his gifts than this. At 7,123 feet in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, you can also find God's word preached purely and his sacraments given out for your salvation at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School. Located off US 160, just west of downtown Pagosa, Our Savior offers your children a wonderful place to learn of Christ and his wisdom week in and week out and offers you the medicine of immortality Sunday in and Sunday out. Our Savior Lutheran School provides a Christ-focused classical education that enriches the child's soul with the best that has been thought and said to the glory of God. Whether you visit while vacationing or hunting in the beauty of the area, or whether you would like to join a group of faithful Lutheran Christians, our Savior, Pagosa Springs, has what you're looking for. Divine service with Holy Communion is each Sunday at 9 a.m., and Bible class follows at 10.30. At more than a mile high, you will find Christ in all his glory in the midst of his people at Our Savior Lutheran Church and School, a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. Find out more at oslcpagosa.org. North Idaho is home to beautiful mountains and scenic lakes, small-town tranquility, civil freedom, and the faithful Lutheran parish of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, located in Hayden, Idaho, near Coeur d'Alene. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church is a proud sponsor of A Brief History of Power. If you like what you hear on Brief History, then you will love Blessed Sacrament where the Lord's Word is faithfully preached and Christ's body and blood are administered at every divine service. Whether you are visiting Idaho or considering moving to Idaho, 
wouldn't it be nice? Please join the saints of Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church for the Mass and Augsburg Academy Bible Study. Directions, service times, and much more information about this confessional liturgical parish may be found at blessedsacramentlutheranchurch.com. Blessed Sacrament Lutheran Church, Historic Christian Orthodoxy, the Evangelical Lutheran Faith in the Beautiful Inland Northwest.